Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I experienced an incredible level of generosity in this conversation with Daniela Boutrous, founder and CEO of Buttercream Lane, where they are famous for inventing amazing cakes. Daniela provides real-life experiences and motivations that started as a 16-year-old with dyslexia who left school to chart her own course. She shares her stories and experiences that leave no doubt as to her resiliency, and she also shares the origins of her journey. Her encouragement to embrace life's challenges and make something from the experience is well beyond rhetoric. I know you will agree once you have had the chance to listen to this amazing leader. So let's meet Daniela now. A little bit about me. I am 36 years old, just passed on this Sunday. So that means I've been self-employed since I was 16. So self-employed and financially independent for that long is quite a milestone for me. And right now, I am just trying to survive COVID and make sure that my business survives COVID, which is a really interesting time in business for me because I've been in business for so long. Obviously, I've come up against some hurdles, but this one really does take the cake. <laughs> it's it's an interesting time indeed. When I looked at what you do and, and how you portray yourself to the world online, I must say that one thing caught my eye immediately, and that was about, you certainly enjoy making cakes, but it's about being passionate about the people that eat them. And it made me think to, how do you then stay in touch with what really matters to your customers and pre-COVID people coming into the store, post-COVID, what that might look like. How does that work through your mind? Funny enough, it's actually the most simple, pleasurable thing in my business. It's as simple as knowing your clients. So I have beautiful clothes that we do. So when you call up, we ask you what you're celebrating. And if it's your first kid, first birthday, then we ask you how that first year went for you. I really want to know did you survive it? Was it hard? Was the kids so good you're going to have another one? Like, What's going on in their life? And even my team are trained that if you hear that someone says, oh, I've just got a sick child this week, we'll text you in a few days after that conversation to say, hey, how's the little one doing? And that's not a sales pitch. That's not anything I did to upsell my clients. It's because when you order from us, if you're a first-time client, we say, welcome to the Buttercream Lane family. And we mean it. Like, I don't want to work with strangers. I want to have the best time and celebrate big milestones with my clients forever. So they honestly join my family. And if I had to do it any other way, I wouldn't enjoy it and I wouldn't do it. Danielle, I have an immediate belief that that's how you thought about things at the start. At what point did you get the confidence to actually tell people that and then to to build a team that could actually not just buy into your culture, but to... That's that's their way of going about things as well. Good question. Let's start with how I came up with it. I was 16 years old, about to drop out of 
school, being severely dyslexic, not being able to read and write. And when I sat down to write a business plan to convince my parents and teachers that I should drop out of school, the only thing I could come up with at the time was I'd love to open up a store where people walk in and I make them happy. So I make them smile, they're having a bad day, they can come in. And no matter how many drafts I did, I couldn't come up with a business that I could make money as well because as passionate as I am about kindness and flooding the world with kindness, I also have to pay my bills and I'd like to make money because it's fun and I want to see what I'm made of. So I'm a businesswoman at heart as well. So that came into play then. I've probably only been confident enough to share it mid-30s, so hitting that age group now. The thing was prior to that, being as feminine as I am and as kind as I am, I used to be very self-conscious that people took that as a weakness. And it's only now that I've stood up and I truly believe it's my superpower. Can I just speak to a couple of points you made? And one is that, yeah. first of all, I, I left school at 15, did an apprenticeship as a plumber. So I oh. was unblocking drains whilst you were making amazing cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I figured before we would speak today that there were differences in our lives. And let's yeah. mark that as an immediate one. But the, the idea of having confidence and being prepared to put in the terms of, of bring your own voice, I have an absolute attachment to what you've just said. I've been in B2B sales for over 30 years. And I've got to say, for the first half of that, I had no idea what I was doing. And what I'm really saying there is I was following somebody else's rule book. And then I had a customer. You talk about being in touch with your customers. I had a customer. It was a very senior customer, a, a true executive that gave me the opportunity and challenged me to create my own voice. I think that's what you're describing as well, is that it is about your own voice. I first heard that term when people were talking about auditioning for plays or for musicals and like that, they would really have their own voice. If that's a truth, how do you then continue to evolve it? So you get to the point of confidence. What do you do next? Oh, curiosity is the best I could ever give myself on a daily basis. I am surrounded by a network of some of the most amazing brains, different people from different walks of life. And any time I get an audience with them, I make it a point to be super curious, ask random questions. If they speak of something I don't know, rather than just quickly dismiss it, I investigate a bit more, ask a bit more. And the thing is, you could learn something you've never thought of before or become interested in something just based on that other person's passion. So it could be anything from art to book to plumbing. Because <laughs> that's something I'll never do in my lifetime, I promise you. But if I asked you a bit about it and what you do and, you know, what the, the whole part of your business is when you started that and what made you stay and how long you stayed for, you never know what comes out in those stories. So I find if you want to keep learning, just constantly be curious. And I love it. It's a little hobby of mine. I do that every day of the week. It's just beautiful food for thought. But Daniela, it wasn't an abracadabra wand, 16, dyslexic, and you then had to make a decision, or you made a decision. First of all, you had to convince your parents it was a good decision, but then you had to do something about it yourself. Could you maybe share some of the, the steps that you took that have made you who you are today? And also maybe some of the, the bumps where if you had the chance to do it again, you could smooth out if someone was listening to this, that they could actually avoid that stub of the toe. Stop of the toe. Can I hit that point first? So then that way when I share it, you come with a different mindset, whoever's listening. Don't avoid it because I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the skill sets I had today if I avoided every stub of the toe. Listen to others that still 
make your own mistake and learn learn on the go. Like break your knee, fall out of a tree. All you have to do though is get back up, dust off your shoulders and don't add a story. Don't bash yourself up for mistakes. Don't say you did the wrong thing. Just get up and make it better. And the less I added stories to every time I made a mistake, the better I got at it and the faster I moved on. And I no longer wasted a whole heap of my time worrying about woe is me. Instead, I was like, okay, I did it. It's wrong. What can I do better next time? And take responsibility. If ever I've done something wrong towards someone in particular or to a client or just made a mistake with a supplier, I put my hand up and say, I've made a human error. What can I do to fix it? And it was not intentional because I'd never do anything out of hate or, or something awful like that. So it, it would be an honest mistake. Gosh, it's been a journey and a half. I can tell you, I always say I'm a fairy tale princess and everyone thinks that means my life is magical and sprinkled with sugar and everything's happy but really there's a little dark side of me that thinks I'm a fairy tale princess because I deal with villains and challenges and adventures and downfalls and triumphs <laughs> my life is continually an adventure novel <laughs> that I have to deal with and it's everything from making the wrong decision of where you rent your shop ordering too much for me personally it's reading things incorrectly and thinking I've read them right and I haven't and I mix things up. In the early days, it was spelling birthday wrong. I keep mixing up that R and I. Poor people had Brit days, but you know, you have to get better at it because at first I used to cry when I couldn't do something. And now I've learned, I find the piece to my puzzle. If ever I'm having that fear of, oh, I'm going to cry and get a bit emotional that I don't know something. Now I just remind myself, I imagine image of a puzzle piece in my head and it just reminds me to quickly look for the information I'm missing because I'm only ever fearful because I don't, I lack information. Everything's available to you now. So you should never fear not knowing because you could ask someone, you could Google it, you can watch YouTube, listen to a podcast. There's so many ways to educate yourself quickly and get through those, those battles. Mindset without experience is just thoughts. The the experiences that you attach, as you say, don't avoid the bumps, take them, own them, learn from them, move forward. But And that generates with itself a degree of resilience. That, is that something that you could speak to? Because it kind of feels like that's something that underpins you in your life journey that you're on. I love resilience. I think it's been my best success. So I don't rate my success on my bank account or how many clients I have or how big my shop is. It's on the skills I've earned and I've definitely earned resilience. And it's something that I think should be a common thread and even something we should learn at school because no matter what, a common thing we'll all go through is challenges through our whole life. Some of us at different levels, some of us at different times. But if you could learn how to be resilient, no matter what comes your way, you'll just ride the waves like a great surfer. And that's all you need to do in life. I don't believe life needs to be perfect. And I think this is what I'm struggling with watching the younger generations on Instagram and social media. They're trying to aim for a perfect life where I want people to aim to be perfectly happy happy with imperfection because that is life. Life is imperfect and if you could just learn to be resilient through it, I promise it'll be less painful, you'll be more joyful and you don't have to be happy every day. Some days are just going to be absolute crap (laughs) and you're just going to have to get through that. It's about embracing what's there. I I couldn't agree with you more. You actually lead me into a a point I wanted to ask you about and you talk about perfection when i look at what you do it it's at one level it's it's cakes 
But in my mind, it's almost everything but cakes in the way that I thought it's it's art, it's creativity, it's emotion, and it's it's beauty that happens to be food, that happens to be cake. I started to look at that and think, how do you know when to stop and to put it in a, a writing term to to publish? How, how do you get to there? Because you can't get to the point that you're at by stopping too soon. But at some point, you've got to say, that's the finished product. That's a hard one because at the end of the day, you eat my art. <laughs> and no pressure, but that cake is what, the whole entire family stands behind to take that milestone photo at every birthday. If you look back into albums, it's like, you know, the husband and wife at the cake, the family behind the cake at the cake table. So there is a pressure of having it absolutely perfect, but this is where the beauty of your team come in. You asked me a bit earlier and I didn't touch on it, but how you pick your team and get that culture. I've been very blessed with having amazing friends and family that came into my business that knew the depths of my heart and my emotions when it came to business and amplified it for me. So I've got my girlfriend Bianca, you know, my girlfriend Brooke, everyone's come in. I've got an amazing team member with me now, Patricia. She's great too. And what I look for when I find these people even to my delivery driver, Orlando, they care. And if they come in and they see a cake, even if they're just picking it up to give to a customer, they'll say, you know what? We need to paint that little bit just there. You know what? This will look better if there was an extra flower on the right-hand corner. And they do that and they know they can. And one of the biggest things I love about my team is when they come in, no matter what, they're told, make all the mistakes you want because that's how I became who I am. And they can't understand that at first, but they get a bit more comfortable later. And it's about make the mistake. I'll teach you how to fix it and you'll be better for it. And then they start doing it. So they'll take those chances to, you know, make a cake better. And they've gone, like Patricia's gone from being just my kitchen hand that was cleaning the kitchen to coming up to the bench and she now decorates cake. And I have to say, she's pretty much on my level. So... (laughs) You know, it's nice to see them evolve and their talents grow in the kitchen, but it's it's definitely team effort. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop thinking our cakes can get better. It's just evolution. You're just always going to strive for more. I know I will, but um, that's what a team's for. It's a fantastic story and, and how people actually engage with you. There's a certain loyalty that you can't buy and you can't advertise for that, that comes out of that. And then you get a whole consistency of experience. I'm sure that what you're describing, doesn't matter who comes into your store, who deals with you, they're dealing with with you, no matter which door they come through. That's pretty powerful. How do you go about making decisions now versus when you started? Are there some fundamental changes you've made? Yeah, I think there is. I think at first, I didn't know what I defined success as. So I think I was making decisions based on money because I thought that's what success is. The more money you had in a business, the more successful you are. And don't get me wrong, I'm very hard with business. I think knowing your numbers and knowing your bottom line and your costing and constantly reworking it so you have better profit margins, that's something I probably do twice a week. I'm always looking at my numbers. I'm always reviewing and seeing what we can do better. I'm talking to my accountant and learning more. So that's really important. 
But what I stopped focusing on was the money and started focusing on the things that made me smile, which then equaled more money anyway, which was how can I make people happy in this? How can I get people involved? So at the end of the day, I always say to my clients, you put your imagination in our hands and we'll bring it to life for you. And it is that. They may want to make their kids' first birthday cake, but they don't have the skill set. So they're giving us that honor to do that for them. So that's a big deal for me. So just shifting my mindset from I'm going to make a lot of money and that's how I'll be successful to, no, actually, I'm going to use my attention on media to be media ambassador for Adopt Change because I'm passionate about adoption and I'd like to come to the end of my career and be able to retire working really hard, finding the 50,000 kids that don't have loving, nurturing homes in Australia, homes. Like that to me will make me feel like I was successful. I use Buttercream Lane to put me in a position where people will listen to me about adoption and changing laws and highlighting the fact that it's not a given that children have loving, nurturing homes and we have to work really hard to make sure no more kids go without childhood. So it was just shifting what do I really want in life because at the end of the day, people see me work really hard and that I'm career focused, but the truth is I'm a modern woman with traditional values. I still love being the heart of the home. I love being a domestic goddess. I enjoy that side of life so much more. But the business gave me an outlet to make sure I can kind of get myself in a position that I can do amazing things while I'm here on this earth. That's a a mission that touches. That's a a wonderful expression. And all I could think about was what was the point in your growing up to get to that 16-year-old point where you're going to leave school? Where was the the spark that that generated this mission? The mission for Adopt Change? Well, it's it's more about, well, yes, it is. In a tangible sense, it is. But Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, everything that you've spoken about as we've we've discussed, we've had this conversation, is more than more than that. It's more than your business. Maybe it's back to that, that point about confidence. It's more than mindset. And I'm going to call it confidence, the confidence to express exactly who you are and what matters to you. Not a beautifully plastered here I am as a as a business person, but to actually mm-hmm. say, this is actually who I am. Because if I was to play back what you've discussed in the last 20 minutes, you've got a real interest in a lot of things, but physically watching you speak for the last three minutes, you physically changed. And there must have been a trigger point somewhere. I'm wondering if there's a trigger point somewhere that brought you to that path. I think the trigger point is, you know, how we talked about stubbing your toe and going through really bad things. I think I've been through some really horrific, horrible things in life. I didn't grow up with the best childhood in the world. I got divorced at 25 in an abusive relationship. There's so much depth to all the things that have gone wrong in my life. And I think at some stage in my mind and through a lot of counselling, let me tell you, I was in counselling for two years and I wish I could change people's perception about mental health and counselling because I wasn't there to get help. I was there to learn tools, to learn how to get through whatever life would throw at me. And once I learned those tools and I could implement them, I could move away from going to counselling every week and, you know, help myself. And the thing I kind of remember that really shifted in my mindset was I don't want anyone to hurt the way I was hurt. And I could have a choice of either doing what 
the majority do, which is you either overdose on drugs or alcohol, become promiscuous, like all the general things people kind of easy way out for dealing with bad stuff. Or I could just overdose on the one thing I wasn't getting, which was just understanding, kindness, love, nurturing. And suddenly I was doing the most selfish thing in the world because when you do all those things, you love, nurture and be kind. It's actually a beautiful feeling for yourself. So suddenly I was getting filled up in my emotional bank that I had even more to give. And I think I'm always telling my friends, I'm so selfish because I'm so nice and kind or, you know, giving someone my time because it, it makes me feel good. Yes, it makes them feel good and that's my intention. But I find if, you, if you're selfish first and then you'll have so much more to give to others, it's why in a plane crash, you put your mask on first so you breathe. And then you help others, and it's that same theory when it comes to being nice and kind and thoughtful to others, I guess. As I, I looked at your website and looked at YouTube and looked at other social media channels, there's something about the way that you project to the world that uh, that is joy and the, the honesty and the generosity of what you've just shared in the last few minutes. To my experience with you, is just an extension of what I, I perceived before we spoke. And there's... There's something that is you can't get out of the business books. You raised the fact you had dyslexia. Well, I've got to say that I've read a lot of business books, and yet I don't think I've learned as much as I have in the last 20-odd minutes. And resilience is one thing, confidence is another thing, but having a, a true perspective of who you are and ultimately how you want to make other people feel, I can't think of a better point for us to finish our conversation today at a point of talking about startups and building a business. If that isn't the most pure mission, I'm not sure what it is. So, Daniela, I can only thank you and just so appreciate that you take the time today and to share so many elements. I, I can't believe what we've covered in, in 20, 25 minutes, but thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Tony. You put it beautifully. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Daniela as much as I did. Feedback is always appreciated. Thanks for listening and bye for now.